I'm going to read out the scripture that we've been standing in, and I'll just recap last week really quickly and then jump into um, what we're doing this morning. Philippians 4.4 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Think on these things. I said last week that I I was reading um, a book called Essentialism, and I have actually a passage I'm going to share from from that book in a little while. But the whole idea is you get rid of everything that's, that's not important. There's very few things that are absolutely critical. And how many of you know that your thinking is critical? It is essential what happens with your thinking, where your thoughts go. And last week, we talked about this idea that it is essential. This passage of Scripture is so life-giving. Even if you get nothing out of my, my thoughts and, and, and study from it, my prayer is that you would meditate on this verse over these couple of weeks to receive the riches that are found in this passage of Scripture. The word is life-giving, but we need to receive that life. Amen? Think on these things. Think on this. Quick recap of last week. The idea, and Francie, you summed it up so well. So appreciative of the way that Francie leads in her heart for God and just the sensitivity. I'm so appreciative of that. But she's, what did we talk about? We said, make known your thoughts to God. Make known your thoughts to God. And why is that so significant? Because we have a natural propensity as humans to hide and to put up barriers and to not be vulnerable and not to be seen. But we talked about how many influences are coming in. We have the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy as much as he possibly can. We have other people giving their 10 cents, some of it really helpful, some of it not so helpful. We have ourselves, our own nature, that can can interject what's going on. We have so many of these influences, and yet it's our natural propensity to hide from God. When it comes time to a time of worship where it's time to come before him, we have barriers up. We don't allow him in. When it comes time to our prayer, it's stale because there's, there's too many barriers there. It just hurts too much to be seen. And we said, make known your thoughts to God. The passage that we just read, make known your requests to God. And what happens once we do that? The peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that is regardless of your situation, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's powerful. When we surrender unto God, a surrendered mind is a protected mind. A surrendered mind is a protected mind. I think it's powerful. When we surrender unto Him, when we give our thoughts, when we make known who we are and what's going on inside of us to Him, It says that his peace will guard us. A protected mind is one that can now begin the process of transformation. I can't uh, underscore last week's message enough in the sense of this week's message and next week's message. They're not going to be null and void because God's word just does what he wants and he's going to do what he wants regardless, right? But we have to have a surrendered mind Otherwise, everything that we go and try and transform and change, it's not going to stick. 
unless we're surrendered to God. And that, that peace, how many of you know we need that peace to engage in this process of transformation? We need that peace that surpasses all understanding. Life is too messy. The enemy is too ugly. Our own nature, we can't do it on our own. The first process has to be what? Has to be surrender. Has to be surrender. So I can't underscore that enough as we're talking about our thinking and what it is. A protected mind can now begin the process of transformation. Wouldn't be a sermon if I didn't start off with a story, or at least for me. We moved recently, and we went through all of our stuff, and in the middle of it, Angie lost her wedding ring. We found her wedding ring again. Bennett, um, Bennett told Angie, he's like, I took it. We're like, okay, where'd you put it? He said, I put it in the jacket closet. Okay. We went and looked where he said it was, we couldn't find it in the jacket closet. So we were staying in Pine Haven at Bruce and my mom's just for a little bit when that happened. And so I called my mom, and, and Bennett kept telling us. And he, he told my mom, and he took her there. He took me, he took me there. He took Angie there. And, um, and, and we knew that he'd taken it by this time, but we just didn't believe him that he put it there. But he really did. My mom went and had another look, and it was in the jacket closet. What we can give Bennett uh, kudos for, even though he took something he shouldn't have, at least he told us where he put it, you know? You think a two-year-old just will make something up, like, oh, I ate it, you know? But we moved recently, and one of the things that, that I don't know what you do when you move, but do you go through a process of trying to get rid of stuff that probably you don't need to keep? I'm almost the opposite, that I'll go out of my way and do an extra truckload just to bring all the stuff that I probably shouldn't have. I just, for some reason, I'm, I hold on to stuff that I probably shouldn't own or just that, that is way past its use-by date. And I start to think of ways or reasons of like, what, oh, I could use this. Like, I remember my dad gave me a Hawaiian shirt. It was ugly then and it's still ugly now. And like, but once he gave it to me, I had this thing where I'm like, this is mine, like, this is going to go with me. And, and like, I think it even came over to from, we didn't have very much space, but the Hawaiian shirt came over from us when we moved from the States and it's found its way in different things. I don't think it's there. I think probably Angie threw it out sometime when I didn't know, you know, but I, I was thinking back to, I, I've had this even when I was, I was really young, just having things that, that probably, that, why do you have them? I remember I was, I won't tell you how old I was just because I, I want y'all to respect me a little bit, but I, I had, um, like, when you're a kid, you know, you play with different, like, characters and things like that, you know, and uh, maybe not when you're so a kid, maybe some adults do, I, that's okay, too, but I, I had a bunch of, like, little characters, or, like, animals, and, and, like, cartoon characters and things, and they're just, like, the little figurines, and I remember one time, and I don't remember if I was actively engaging in some um, play with these animals at the said time, and I'm just going to try and block it out if I was, because I was probably too old to be doing that anyways, but I remember a friend of mine came over, and this guy was not, like, Mr. Cool either. Like, yeah. And he came over, and he said, why do you still have these animals? I was like, ah, oh, that's a really good question. It had never occurred to me to get rid of them. It was just, I had them. So they were there, and they were just part of what I had. And, it, and it's continued on. People will give, I'll get like little souvenirs that I don't even know what it is. But I'm like, I'm keeping it because it's now mine and I own it. Here's the, the truth that I want to really dig into this morning. And I'm going to give it all away right now so that if you tune out and are thinking about lunch, at least you've gotten the core of what we need. Is we won't even try to change something 
if you don't think that there's an option or a choice. I, I cannot stress this point enough. You will not even begin to try and change something if you don't think that there's a choice. We have a choice, and this, this is, this is the, the core of what we're going to talk about this morning. We have a choice of what we own. This is so important. We have a choice of what we own. Think about these things. Do you think if God gives us an instruction to think about something, to choose to think about something, the implicit within that statement is that we have the choice to think about those things. Think on this, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, whatever is lovely, whatever is, if anything is excellent, think on these things. Think on this. We have a choice of what we own. I'm going to read the, a little passage out of the book by Essentialism. Um, the, the, the author was in law school at the time, and, and he was really doubting, and he didn't know where he was going to go or what he was going to do with his life. And somebody gave him an example to say, what are the most important things to you to be doing right now? And so he made this list, and this is what he said after he made this list. The result was that the piece of paper on which law school, as I have indicated, was not written, meaning he didn't even put law school in the list of things that he was really wanting to do, up to that point, I had always known logically that I could choose not to study law, but emotionally, it had never been an option. That's when I realized that in sacrificing my power to choose, I had made a choice, a bad one. By refusing to choose not law school, I had chosen law school, not because I actually or actively wanted to be there, but by default. I think that's when I first realized that when we surrender our ability to choose, something or someone else will step in to choose for us. We have the power to, we have the ability to, and remember the caveat, once our minds are surrendered to Jesus, once we've made known to him, this is not doing it in and of your own strength. We have the ability to, to choose what we think about. I was just thinking back to my illustration. I was so comfortable with those things that I had in my life. I didn't want them. I didn't need them. Some of them were really, really ugly. That Hawaiian shirt, I'm telling you. But they, they were just part of me. They were just there. I, it had not even occurred to me that I had a choice to own these things or not. It was just when I move, yeah, they're coming with me. They're mine. This concept is so important that we have a choice of what we own. Look at, uh, and uh, he didn't want credit for it, but someone in the congregation came up and, and shared this passage with me, and it's life-giving that I'm about to share. Lamentations 3, verse 19 says this, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. I don't know what that is, but it doesn't sound good. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. That if you go, if you really want to, just get in the feels. Go and read Lamentations 3. Like I have it here. It's just, it's, it's epic for experiencing just some powerful things. I, it starts off, I am the man who has seen affliction. He, he wants, talks about, he wants to grind his teeth on gravel. This is some poetic stuff.
This is a man who is continually thinking about the bad stuff. And I'm not just talking bad thoughts here. I'm just talking about thoughts that set up patterns and, and things that you shouldn't be doing or that, that take you away from God's plan for your life, our thinking, our heart, our feelings as well. He's continually thinking about the bad stuff, so much so that he's weighed down under the pressure of it. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be carrying a burden, and you're just, you're down here. You're down here, and, and you're weighed under the pressure. Your soul is bowed under from the things that you keep thinking about. But I love this. In verse 21, the author says this, but this I call to mind, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This is amazing to me. This, so, and, and why this is important, why I'm just taking a little bit of time, this is not negating the bad stuff. This is not negating that you've actually gone through some stuff that are worthy of like, man, this, this wasn't good or whatever it is. What, whatever that, that thought pattern, wherever it came from, we're not negating your life experiences. I think sometimes we can just get into a wishful thinking mindset. I just wish this would go away. I wish this wouldn't be here. And I'm going to pretend in a false little pretend world that this is not how it is. This is not negating that stuff. He's acknowledging that bad stuff. And, and he ranted about it for most of the chapter. But he says, but this I call to mind and I have hope. The thing that he's remembering, the thing that he's choosing to think on is bringing him hope. There is a choice, and I just, this is the core of the message. Why it's so important that you have choice of what you think about. Because so many of us are bowed down under the weight of our thoughts, under the weight of our feelings, under the conclusions that we've drawn about ourselves, And we think it's a preset, uncontrollable thing that says the marker has come down and this is truth. But the Bible says, think about these things. But this I call to mind and I have hope. You have a choice. You have a choice to think about things that bring you hope or you have a choice to think about things that will weigh your spirit down. This is a truth that will bring so much life if we can grasp it. But this I call to mind and I have hope. Let's see, what is it that he's thinking about that causes him to have hope? The verse 22 of Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He goes on in verse 24 to say this. I say to myself, I think to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. The, this is powerful. The choice that he made, the thing that he decided to think about was the love of the Lord that doesn't have an end. The thing that he was thinking about was not the weight of his teeth grinding on gravel, but it was on the fact that every single morning, the Lord's mercies are new. Every single morning, we have a chance for new life. What a powerful thing to choose. You got to get rid of that Hawaiian shirt, folks. That's what I'm telling you. If you like Hawaiian shirts, my apologies to you. I think they're wonderful, too. You know, for the Hawaiian shirt, I was like, you know, I might go to a Hawaiian party one day. So it's like a really valid reason to keep it. It's not a good reason, folks. It's not a good reason. 
but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. I want to read to you this quote because I just thought it, it expressed this so much. It's by Stephen Furtick. He says this, just because it came to pass doesn't mean it gets to stay. I love that. Just because it came to pass doesn't mean it gets to stay. He goes on, just because it knocks doesn't mean I answer. Just because it knocks doesn't mean I answer. And just because it affected me doesn't mean it crippled me. Just because it affected me doesn't mean it crippled me. And he says this to finish out the quote, God, teach me to own the state of my soul. You choose what you own. The lie that the enemy would have you believe is that once a thought is there, is that it's yours. The lie that the enemy would have you believe that once a thought is there, once it's inside you, it's yours. You keep it, you own it. You're now going to move with it. You're going to take ownership of this. It doesn't matter if you, you wanted to get that or not. It doesn't matter. You got gifted this wonderful Hawaiian shirt. And you're going to take it with you wherever you go because it's now yours. You don't have to own what God doesn't intend for you to own. You don't have to own what God doesn't intend for you to own. And here's the thing. I I went through this, this, this struggle myself for a long time. It doesn't matter the source of where this thought came from or where this thinking pattern came from. It doesn't matter. It is completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter if it came from the enemy Carl Billington, Bruce's son, has a quote that he says, the enemy is, is, is so difficult because he often speaks to us in our own voice. It doesn't matter if the thought came from the enemy. It doesn't matter if the thought came from a friend that planted it. It doesn't matter if this behavior, it doesn't matter where it came from or where your belief came. And it's important to understand to unravel some of that. But what I'm saying in the, in the owning state of this, it doesn't matter if it's yours, if it's your own sinful nature. It doesn't matter where it came from. You do not have to own it. I think this is so important. How many of us can get bowed down and believe lies about ourselves? But here's the thing. We're all going to go through pain. We're all going to go through some gravel on teeth grinding things. But we have a choice of what we own. You have a choice to think on things that are going to bring you hope. Or you have a choice to think on things that are going to weigh your soul down. And what did he say in the passage? I'll just go back. He says, I think that's when I first realized that when we surrender our ability to choose, something or someone else steps in to choose it for us. Meaning if we don't think we have a choice that once something comes into our head or once something that that we've done maybe, even gone as far to action, that's all of a sudden a part of us. I love the idea that we have the choice to choose. That's so important. And what's the caveat to this? This is not just some self-help, self-actualization. This is what? Surrendering to God, being made known to him first so that his peace that surpasses understanding can guard your heart and your mind. If you didn't catch last week, catch it. I want to encourage you because it's so important for the precipice of what we're talking about today. This is not doing it in and of your own strength. This is resting in his strength once it's surrendered to him. But it is so important. You need to hear that you have the ability to choose what you think about and and the things that you own. This is you choosing who God intended you to be. 
I think we often will own things that we shouldn't and we wish they would go away. But we need to know that we can choose what we own in life and in our thoughts. Joshua 24, it says this, Choose this day whom you will serve. And he goes on to say, are you going to serve the other gods or are you going to serve, you're going to serve me? And he says this, but as for, we know this one, right? Most of us have it up on our doors at home. As for what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think too often, I, I imagine most of us believe that behaviorally, meaning the things that we do, we're going to serve the Lord. But I wonder how many of us in modern Christianity think that our thoughts are not something that we can choose. And we get stuck believing them, and we keep trying to fix the behavior that's coming out of our thinking. But you have an opportunity to choose what you think on. If it's an addiction that you're stuck in, can I encourage you that you have an opportunity to choose what you think on. Next week, we're going to talk about more about what we're feeding on, etc., but you have the ability to choose. I think this is so important. Choose this day whom you will serve. Your thinking is rooted in a choice, not in a preset, uncontrollable thing that we have no choice and are stuck in. I just wonder if we could apply this to any situation, if it's around self-loathing, if it's around relationally, maybe you've just got thoughts around your spouse or your friends, or I don't know what it is. We mentioned an addiction. I don't know where your thinking is taking you right now. I don't know what's going on, but I want to encourage you that it's not stuck and that you have a choice. Whatever it is, surrender it to God so that his peace can guard your heart and so you can then choose who you serve. What are those things that we should be thinking on? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I was thinking this, this, to answer the question, how do, how do we exercise this choice? You're like, that's really good conceptually. I'm so excited for you, Jesse. Have any of you seen the program Cops? Cops or like a program where cops are trying to apprehend criminals? Have any of you seen that in real life? Have any of you been apprehended by the... No, I'm just... <laughs> do criminals or folks that have been caught doing something that they probably shouldn't do, I won't put them in the criminal basket, do they enjoy being arrested or being stopped? Do they make things easy? Sometimes. When I was... Ar- no, I'm just... Uh, I wasn't arrested. What do they do? Have you seen the car chases on TV? They're getting away. They're jumping, through, um, they're jumping through fences. They're jumping through. I saw an article on stuff that somebody had stolen a, a, a really nice scooter in London. And have you seen The Dark Knight? You know, Bane, the, the actor that's Bane in The Dark Knight? He happened to see this guy do this, and he chased him down through fences, over houses, and he caught, the, <laughs> he caught him. And, you know, you, you, you know, some actors really have it. To take captive of something doesn't happen without a fight, without going after something, without pursuing something, without being relentless on what you're going to do. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Anything that you're thinking about that is not who God said that you are and who that you're intended to be, we destroy. And he says this, And we take every thought captive to obey God. Why is this so important? Taking captive is not like a, God, can you just make this go away? And like, oh, it's still there. And I'm still, my Hawaiian shirt's still in my drawer. 
Taking captive implies going after something relentlessly until you've captured it, until you've put it under submission of who God is, and you get that thing and you kick it out of there. Can I encourage you, you can't do that without the peace of God that surpasses all understanding because you're still trying to manage all of that stuff. You need his peace, and then you need to take captive every thought. Take hold of that which is not intended for you to be or never has been, and you kick it out. There's, so the choice is not this thing that you need to wrestle with. There's an active thing that you have to do. I'm passionate about this. I'm so passionate. There are so many people living in bondage that have, that have found Jesus that don't need to be living in that place. Take captive. Action that we make a decision if we will own or if we will actively get rid of, remove it from the premises. This may not come easy and you may have to fight to take something captive. But you don't have to allow a thought that comes your way to stay or to own it. What does this look like? Take the thought and give it to God. The cross is a powerful, powerful thing. The foot of the cross that can't be a nice theological concept that you have in your, idea, in your head that the cross is just, I so appreciate that Jesus did that. He wants you to what? Die daily. Take this daily. We said being made known to God last week, right? Be made known to him. God, this is where I'm at. I'm wanting us to take a step further and we're choosing something. What? We're choosing to take thoughts captive and we're taking those to the foot of the cross and we're saying, God, this is yours. I'm not owning it. Because what happens when you take it to the cross, ownership is then transitioned. He takes ownership because he's already died for it. He takes ownership of that thing and it now dies forever. But this is not a passive thing. This is an active thing. When we have a choice of what we do with it, you take it to the cross. And the second step is what? But don't give to God and keep ownership. Tell God, and from that Lamentations piece, I said to myself, but this I call to mind. This is not who I am. You can't always control what your eyes see. You can't always control what you think, the situations that you find yourselves in. But you can always control what happens after that, where your focus goes. You can always control what happens after the fact. That second thought, that second look, that second experience, you have absolute control over that. The lie is to say, since I've already thought that, that's what I am, and that's, it might as well stay here. If it's anger, if it's lust, if it's fear, whatever it is, you have a choice. You have a choice to think on things that bring hope or that weigh you down. You determine your focus. Choose things that are lovely, just, and of a good report. And, and like I said, next week, we're going to talk far more in depth, and I'm going to look specifically at some of these, whatever is, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, and we're going to look at how can we absorb some of these things. But that brings me to my last point. Once we take captive, what do we need to do? We then need to choose what we're going to replace it with. This is so important. You're not just going to go and wrestle something and take, take it captive, but you need to choose what you're going to replace it with. Um, this is a story of just not putting me in a good light this morning, but if it's all for the glory of Jesus, that's fine. Angie had a flat tire just around the corner, and uh, me being just the rugged man that I am, I went out and I helped her change that tire. Um, I can't say I did it fast, but I changed it, and she didn't help. 
Um, and that's okay. She was taking care of the kids. Um, and so I, I changed the tire. I was pretty proud of myself. And she said, hey, I so appreciate you doing this. Can you just take this to the, to the service store just to make sure you did it right? <laughs> and, and, you know, I chose to think on things of a good report. And, and sorry, that's not even where I'm going with the story. But she really did tell me this. And I said, you know what? That's probably a good idea. So I went down to the, I went down to the store. And, and I told the guys the story. I was, hey, guys, you know, they were happy to, to have a look at it. I'm like, oh, you know, my wife, you know, <laughs> she told me just, just to check it out. I mean, oh, thanks, guys. Hey, good, good times talking. And, um, <laughs> and as the guy's doing it, he's quite quiet. And he, he's just taking a look at it. And I actually purchased a new tire from him there anyways, so I really did need to go down there. And so we'll just, we'll just say that I had to go there anyways. And he's like, it's a good thing you came down here, but don't tell your wife, but you put the, uh, the bolts on backwards, uh, the wheel nuts. And he said, you, you know, your tire would have eventually fallen off uh, if, you, if you wouldn't have uh, done this. How many of you know it's so important what you replace something with? If I've replaced that tire with something that's still going to pop on her, she's still going to crash. What you replace that thought with, what you replace that behavior with, it goes all the way up the chain, is critical to success. This is not just about getting rid of the bad. God, I just don't want to think about this anymore. I just, I just wish this was gone. Make this go away. Make this go away. I, personally, I wanted thoughts to go away. I wanted I, sad, mean, prideful, whatever. God, take away these thoughts. But can I tell you something? That God is not in the business of disappearing. God is not in the business of disappearing. He's in the business of redeeming. He's in the business of taking that mess that sometimes we call life and making something good out of it. When we sing, it is well with my soul, many of you might have been saying, it's not well with my soul. But it's maybe time to make a choice to stop thinking on the things that are making you weigh down in your soul, but to say, God, your love never does fail. Your mercies are new every morning. I'm going to choose to think about the fact that it is well with my soul because I have a God who died for everything that I've ever gone through, and I just simply need to give it to you and stand and choose to think about and replace the thought that it is well with my soul. Your mercies are new every morning. This thing is dead at the foot of the cross. God is not in the business of disappearing but redeeming. Taking these thoughts and replacing them with a better alternative, and not just a better alternative, but at the core of every single thought that we have, there's probably a real need that we're trying to meet for ourselves in that need. If we're down and we're, we're low, those thoughts, we're, we're recognizing we need love, we need attention, whatever it is. Find out what the God replacement is for that negative thought, for that negative pattern of behavior. What is God's intention for you in the midst of that? If you're getting really angry at your kids for whatever it is, what can you identify is the thing that you want for your kids to experience? What, what, is, what is it that God is wanting to build in you? If you're a father and you're saying, I, I, can't, I can't do this, I'm no good of a father, and that's kind of the space that you stay in. But you say, no, actually God has called me to be a father. He's given me kids. He's placed me in this role. God, what is it that you want from me to be as a father? Don't just think I want to remove 
this negative behavior that I have, but what is the behavior that you're going to put in place? What is his original plan intended for you to be in that place? If you're struggling with an addiction, what is the thing that you need to fill in place of it? What is the thing that that addiction is robbing you of? And hence, what is the thing that you want to put in place of that? There is is a God-shaped thing to put in place of that, that thought pattern that is not you. Who he originally intended you to be, what he originally intended you to walk out. His plan for you, your identity, who he says you are. Usually our thoughts, our insecurities, our brokenness where we feel we're not living up to that which we are called to do and we fill it with all sorts of mess. Fill it with what God's original plan is for you. And that's true, that's pure, that's honorable. We're going to talk more about that. I used to be so fear-filled until I realized that God gave me a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. It wasn't just the negative of fear, but the positive of power, love, and self-control. All of those things look like something. They feel like something. They have thoughts that represent that. So when we're talking about replacement, it's not just saying, I'm going to take captive you fearful thought and throw you into the abyss of hell. Well, you should do that too. But what are you replacing it with? If you're not replacing it with the love of the Father, if you're not replacing it with power that comes from the Holy Spirit, if you're not replacing it with self-control that comes from a sound mind, you're now going to have a house that's cleaned out. And what does the Bible say when you clean out a house? What happens? Seven times stronger It's going to come back and it's going to manifest itself so much stronger. Fill it with the things that God intended you to to fill it with. If you need help identifying those things, that's why we encourage the whole Paul Barnabas Timothy relationship styles. Have people that you're walking alongside that can reflect back to you, that can teach you things to connect with who you are and what you were called to be from the beginning. This is choosing to own what God says about you. And that's so different for each of us of what we are. And who we are. I think um, one of the things that I'd I'd put here is uh, David Riddell, his truth coaches. This is a phenomenal kind of thing to connect into. It's the truth around many of the beliefs that that we carry and that we center. What is the truth? Scripture, finding those pieces of scripture, getting to the core of that issue and replacing it with something that, that that is of good report. You have a choice of what you own in your thoughts. We choose to think on these things. I think of Lamentations 3. I remember my affliction. I remember this hard time. I'm grinding my teeth on gravel. I'm punching myself in the face. But I call to mind this and I have hope. I call to mind this and I have hope. I choose to think on these things. I take captive those thoughts. I take them to the cross. I give them over to God and then I'm going to replace them with his original plan. I'm going to replace them with his original truth about me. No, I'm not going to be fear-filled because I'm a son of, of the king, and a son of the king carries authority. No, I'm not going to. Whatever it is, you need to fill it with those things that are the truth of what he's originally intended for you. May we be a people that choose hope and not choose being weighed down. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we can't do it without you. Father, we, we, we remember last week when we we're talking about surrendering to you. Lord, we thank you that we've had a chance to sing about surrendering to you and laying down those walls. But Father, I pray that this truth sinks deep into our heart.
Lord, that the next time that pattern of thought, whatever, the next time that thinking, when we thought that maybe we didn't even have a choice not to own it, Father, we all of a sudden recognize that we have a choice not to own what you did not intend for us. Lord, I pray that we would just get rid of it. We would take it to your cross. But Lord, teach us how to take captive. Teach us practical ways for each of those scenarios. Lord, I speak spiritual strategy to come over and to come into each person here of how and what they need to do to take captive those thoughts. Lord, and I place people, and I I pray that your word would come alive to your people that would show them these truth coaches, these things that they need to replace these thoughts with. Father, we speak your truth in this building. Lord, we're speaking against the lies that so many of us can believe for so many years that weighs us down. Just because it happened doesn't mean it's a part of me. Lord, we're going to choose to own the state of our soul and choose to own only that which you're, that you intended for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, may we be bold enough, courageous enough, and vulnerable enough to do this. In your mighty, mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, well, have a great week. Come along to Go Church. Invite some friends. It's going to be a lot of fun with the food trucks and just having some fun with families. Bless you guys heaps.